0: Pennsylvania has a long tradition of manufacturing centers. They called them ironworks, places where people came together to build things. This podcast is about building and sustaining our democracy. We call it Democracy Works. Hello, I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam. And today we're going to talk about uh, school boards and how they serve as sites of democracy. Um, we're doing this for two reasons. Uh, one is that uh, a, a important scholar around these issues, uh, uh, Robert Ason was uh, here on campus as, uh, in order to deliver the uh, Kenneth Burke Lecture. And uh, that's quite a prestigious thing. It's been going on for a long time. And uh, so we figured it was a good idea for us to kind of hear what he had to say. But the other reason is because in doing some of these uh, podcasts around the issue of uh, um, Parkland and the students uh, organizing the March of Our Lives, we, we, we talked, Michael, a little bit about uh, how it is that um, these extracurricular activities that uh, students engage in and the kinds of um, educational opportunities they have around civic education um, made it possible for them to make this leap in terms of um, democratic action
1: right we've talked a lot about about students in terms of their role in democracy Mm -hmm. and the uh the importance of civic education and and their school experiences but we haven't talked much about schools as locations of democracy themselves, mm-hmm. uh, and of course they are governed by school boards, right. and for the most part, school boards are elected, and uh, school boards uh, represent a certain sort of uh, democratic ideal. I think uh, local local control is uh, local control of education is very important in the United States.
0: Yep, because it's not entirely. You know, it it does have this kind of like. Really? School boards? That's what we're going to talk about? But at, you know, but at the bottom line, it is both um, distinctively democratic because these people are almost always volunteers and they don't have any kind of political training. And as far as Robert Ason is concerned, they don't often see this as some kind of stepping stone to political office, higher political office. But these people make some incredibly important decisions. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea and and these decisions aren't just about taxes, but they're also about how um, their education in their community manifests their values. Of course, yes. And I mean, more and more of that kind of decision making has been.
1: Uh, pushed up to the state level through standards, pushed up to the federal level through programs like No mm-hmm. Child Left mm-hmm. Behind. But, uh, yeah, school boards are still making all kinds of very important curriculum decisions, decisions about extracurricular activities. Uh,
0: and how we pay for all And, of course, about this. spending. So one of the interesting things about this is just how idiosyncratic school boards are and how difficult it is to compare them, Right. Yes. And uh, so work that I've done a little bit. Yes. So our guest today uh,
1: is uh, looks at school boards in an in interesting way, looks at what goes on on school boards, looks kind at Kind of an people. ethnographic study. Yeah, yeah, study of them. Uh, the work that I did with my uh, colleague Eric Plutzer in political science here is very different. We have a book called 10,000 Democracies. And in that book, uh, we look at the way that school boards are set up and configured, Uh, We look at some of the historical influences upon them, so why school boards look the way they do. And then we assess these different arrangements on school boards, whether the members are elected or appointed, whether they're elected through at-large elections or through ward based elections. different types of things like that, whether they rely on referendums or not for passing their budgets. And we assess the extent to which they are responsive to public opinion mm-hmm. in their school mm-hmm. districts. So the extent to which what the public wants is uh, it translated into policy by the school board.
0: Well, I think this is a good um, transition into uh, Jenna's interview with Rob Ason because he, um, he looked at a number, at three uh, school districts in Wisconsin and, and um, talked about how these uh, school districts um, addressed and got through these issues of conflict and, um, and how they were able to succeed despite the fact that these people um, did not have any training as you know, democratic deliberators mm-hmm. and yet were able to kind of um, muddle through and, and do it in a way that really kind of um, – says something positive about democracy. So why don't we go to uh, Jenna's interview and we'll, yeah. we'll be back. Treat to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Okay.
2: Rob, thank you so much for joining us today on Democracy Works. Sure. So uh, you are the author of Democracy, Deliberation and Education, which was published by the Penn State University Press. So that's we're right. going to be talking um, all about school boards today, um, which is, I think, a, a unique aspect of, of democracy. And the you know people who are, are part of school boards um, really are out there doing the work of, of making democracy happen. A, a central theme of this podcast is people coming together to build something that's greater than than. The, the sum of its parts. I think that's really true in a, in a school board setting, and I'm, I'm eager to hear about your your experiences out in the field um, talking with school board members. Absolutely. Um, so let's start off um, talking a little bit about how people join a school board or what, you know, what from your research, what are some of the, the motivations folks have for taking mm. on a position like this?
3: Sure. So um, in terms of the cases that we looked at, and also I think more generally, Oftentimes, what connects people to schools are their own experiences or the experiences of their children. So uh, parents, guardians, and others have children in uh, a local school district. Um, They begin to involve themselves. They begin to um, concern themselves with a set of issues, and that leads uh, to a more extensive role and to a kind of governing role. But that's not the only way that people get involved and not the only reason that people get involved in school boards. In, in the book, I looked at three different school districts in Wisconsin, and while some of the board members had um, joined the school board because of direct um, familial experiences, others did not. There were, for example, retirees on the school board whose children had uh, gone to the schools at some point but were not currently in the schools. Um, There were adults who did not have children who saw the school board as an opportunity to participate in their community. And there were others who had children in school but not in the local public schools, but nevertheless um, felt that participating on the school board would be an important way to serve their community and um, to make change in their community in ways they thought were important.
2: Right. And so, Speaking of, of that idea of change, did you find that people joined school boards because they wanted to see a particular change happen or they had some issue or some cause that they were kind of passionate about and hope to move forward?
3: Yes. So there were some uh, that it was not the case necessarily for everyone. Perhaps the most common um, issue focus of the people in these three districts were financial matters, but there were some school referenda that had come up for a vote in the county um, in the years prior to these um, these board members uh, running for school board, and they were concerned that the school district um, was asking too much from the community members in terms of taxes, and so that was an example of a very specific issue focus. For other uh, school board members across the three districts, there was a sense of of making a contribution and even perhaps change, um, but it was a more general sense of change in terms of improving the schools, making sure that the schools served the needs of students, and less focused on a particular issue. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, school board school board members kind of occupy a pretty unique space in that they are technically elected officials, but not career politicians. And so, can you talk about um, you know what how that that plays itself out on these these boards?
3: Absolutely. And in that spirit, I. I like to think of, and I talk about in the book, school boards as sites of democracy. And I think that's really important for the reason that you suggested, is that one of the things that distinguishes school boards and other local community-based governing organizations is these are not full-time politicians. They do not have dedicated staff. They do not have dedicated resources while some of the school board members in the districts that I look at in the in the book were retired or perhaps didn't work a full-time job, many did. And so this was something that they did on their own time outside of um, their full fi- fi- uh, family commitments, work commitments, and other kinds of commitments. And so I think um, what that means is that it gives us a sense, those of us who are non-school board members, a sense of what it's like for someone who um, does not have career aspirations that relate to politics but nevertheless feels that they can play some kind of role. There's a whole range of democratic practices that impact our daily lives and that are fulfilled by people who spend uh, long hours doing them um, without any kind of expert training and yet manage. They succeed in making these very important decisions.
2: Right. And they really, I think, perhaps feel like they're really making an impact and directly impacting not only their children and their, their children in the, in the schools, but kind of their communities at large. These are these are community figures. They're kind of out there representing the school at public functions and school, you know, school events and things like that.
3: That's right. They really there really is a strong sense of connection to community, um, whereas I think sometimes there's a kind of distancing effect, certainly at a national level. Um, between elected officials and constituents. School board members, in their own understanding and in the understanding of others in the community, don't see this distance. They don't um, dissociate themselves from the community. They very much understand themselves as members of a community who are acting as members of a community uh, to benefit the people that they live with
2: why are these um, school board members successful if they're not career politicians? They're just somebody doing this on the side or maybe they're retired or something
3: like right. that. That's a great question. And I think it, it invites me to define what I mean when I say they succeed. What I, what I mean uh, when I say they succeed is they're able to um, marshal evidence to consider a bunch of different perspectives, and to make what they believe is is the best decision for a community moving forward. And it also, I think, allows us to understand how they work as sites of democracy. And so in that sense, I think to be successful in a school board setting, to be successful in, uh, in an engaged uh, governing setting um, where one is, un- is practicing these ideas of democracy is to have a sense of what is it that we want to achieve. And I think in this case, they succeed because they're able, certainly uh, in cooperation with the education professionals with whom they work, whether it's the superintendents or the assistant superintendents or other district staff. They succeed in being able to articulate um, those goals that they want to achieve and to help move the community forward. To them,
2: in those situations, um, there's often compromise that probably has to has to come about, right, for these people coming together to you know find find a common ground. Can you um, speak to, to maybe some examples of that from your your research? Sure.
3: It's in this conservative district that I mentioned a little while ago. And this was a case where a student group that had been meeting informally at one of the high schools um, had written an application to the district to form a gay-straight alliance as a, as a school-recognized club. And so there were some very heated uh, disagreements among the board members. But perhaps, the to me, the most interesting case was the case of one school board member who um, during one during a meeting in which the school board was uh, considering this case, talked in a very um, personal way about his own experience with some of the kids that he knew directly because they were friends with his son who were members of this group and talked about how they were the kind of kids who would come over and play video games and they'd raid the fridge um, and... And he said, um, "You know, these are these are good kids. These are not revolutionaries." And you can imagine in a conservative district like this how perhaps being a revolutionary might be considered to be not such a good thing. And there was this articulation of a kind of perspective taking of someone who, even though he may not personally have been comfortable uh, with the idea of a group like this, and even talked about his own. Uh, teenage years during this meeting and talked about how maybe he and his friends at the time um, behaved inappropriately in terms of the way that they talked about sexual orientation, um, recognized that maybe the culture was changing and that and knew these kids personally and thought that um, at the end of the day, it was about these kids simply wanting uh, to meet um, as a recognized group. And so that In that case, perhaps it was less the power of deliberation, or at least deliberation oriented toward reaching a kind of consensus, and more a sense of whether he liked it or not, um, there was a particular decision that needed to be made here.
2: Right. Sure. Kind of of practicality trumping in the end. Right. So on a on a school board, you know, as, as you've mentioned, um, these organizations are are tackling some pretty tough and pretty polarizing issues, and it, it seems like um, they're they may be able to to reach consensus or at 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 a minimum find a way to, to move forward in ways that other a, other areas of government, other types of politics can't. Is there something different or or unique about school boards that kind of makes them able to move forward in this way?
3: A couple of things. So. School boards certainly struggle with deliberation and decision-making. And the example that I pointed to about this conservative district and the application for a gay-straight alliance um, was an issue that was decided, um, but not without some tension and not without some uh, lingering disagreements and resentments. I do think that um, school boards address these kinds of decisions and reach decisions perhaps in ways that are different than actors, say, at a federal or state level. And and I think there are a couple of reasons why. One is that certainly if we compare um, local politics to national politics, the way in which um, polarization manifests on a local level is different than on a national level. and so, the large a larger context for many school boards across the United States is a kind of segregated way in which we live our lives, um, and sometimes that may be uh, racial segregation, but also it can include economic segregation and ideological segregation. And so, there's a kind of sorting that happens often for school districts, um, so that. Medium-sized school districts, which can represent five to 7,000 students, often represent communities where some of the larger um, partisan divides that characterize a kind of national politics are not as present. And I think there's also this uh, sense of connection to community, that um, the school board members do see themselves as living within and working within and connected to the communities they represent. But again, all of this is not to say that school boards uh, don't struggle to make decisions and that people are happy with the decisions that school boards make. Um, School boards handle contentious issues of uh, sexual orientation, of race, of um, sex education. And these can often be very um, heated debates that leave... Marks and communities, and one of the one of the districts that we uh, looked at, me and my uh, uh, re- co researchers, they in the interviews, school board members had talked about a prior debate that happened about five years before um, on a, uh, a health education curriculum, and apparently it was a very d- divisive debate um, as. Um, questions of, of sex ed and, and health education often can be. And there were deep divides in the community about how to proceed, whether such a curriculum should in fact be in place and what that curriculum could look like. And one of the school board members, and I, 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 this is a maybe not an exact quote, but a, a close paraphrase, I remember this uh, to the day, said that there are people in this community who still aren't talking to each other oh, wow. um, because of that debate. And so the current members of the school board were very reluctant to revisit the issue of sexual education and health education because of this sense of the trauma of the earlier effort to try to debate the curriculum. So, so I don't—I certainly wouldn't want to represent a picture where um, these. This is a. a, a um, non-contentious, consensual kind of decision making. Um, sometimes that's the case, but but there certainly are divisive issues that even these school boards struggle with.
2: Sure, yeah, certainly not all sunshine and roses on, it, on, on, the, on the school right. boards. Um, and so, uh, in in your from from your research, how do school boards work with um, district administration? I think people might have the, the the perception that the the board is just a, a puppet for the superintendent right. or you know those those types right. of, of things
3: yeah I, I think that uh, probably from all actors that is the the elected officials as well as the administration that is the most important and the most difficult relationship um, over the course of this uh, the research for this project um, uh, a couple people shared the gallows humor uh, of superintendents that the board that hires you is never the board that fires you. Um, and and this is a critical relationship. Um, when a superintendent and a school board work together, um, the district can accomplish a lot. When a superintendent and a school board are at odds, that can undermine all of the decisions that happen in a district. Certainly, um, superintendents themselves uh, can be better and worse at managing those relationships, Um, but also board members. Um, And uh, I think board members, uh, and everyone has to negotiate their roles. Um, And oftentimes, I think uh, when these relationships begin to break down, it's because there is a kind of disagreement or misunderstanding about roles. A superintendent perhaps feels that the board is encroaching upon the superintendent's responsibilities or the board feels that the superintendent is trying to dictate um, how the board should proceed. Um, and, and, that, and so that understanding, I think, is critical to the success of that relationship
2: we could have a whole other conversation about charter schools and all the other kind of manifestations that that, that these things have but um, this, this has been a, it's been a great conversation um, before we let you go we're going to close with uh, our mood of the nation poll questions um, thinking specifically about American politics uh, what makes you angry
3: I think um, that we're living in a time where we make too many assumptions about who we are and how we're connected to each other and um, connections um, Democratic connections, public connections are hard work, um, and they require risk and sacrifice and commitment. And what makes me angry um, is that I think that um, a lot of our politics today is uh, is um, based on assuming how these things work as opposed to focusing on them.
2: Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, and what makes you proud?
3: Uh, what makes me proud is that, um, that even as a nation, as we face a set of uh, significant challenges, that there are people um, today at, even at great risk to their, um, their, their personal lives um, who are willing to stand up uh, and um, fight for what they believe um, will make us better as a nation. For
2: sure. And then um, what makes you worry?
3: I worry that we take democracy for granted. I worry that um, there are aspects of our lives um, that, um, that are part of this uh, democratic culture um, and we don't think about them that way. Um, and so that um, maybe we don't value them enough and maybe we don't cultivate them enough. Um, and if we don't value and cultivate democracy, There's nothing that guarantees that we'll continue to have it or enjoy it in the way that we have.
2: Right. And then finally, um, what gives you hope?
3: I think that there are young people out there today who are modeling for us what democracy is about. Um, It's about um, standing up and speaking out and arguing for change. And that gives me hope.
2: Wonderful. um, Dr. Asen, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us.
3: Thank you.
0: All right. Well, uh, we're, we're back. Uh, Jenna, as always, uh, had a, a great interview. Uh, I do want to mention just for, uh, um, for the sake of, of argument that uh, Robert's book, uh, Democracy, Deliberation, and Education, was published by PSU Press. So good on us. Um, but I wanted to talk about or at least start the conversation with this idea that school boards uh, typically succeed. And um, and Michael, your argument is that there's something about the the typical structure, or that it's the structure of your typical school board, that makes success um, more uh, feasible, more possible.
1: Well, for one thing, it, it depends a little bit on how you define success, right? So I mean, when when uh, when Eric Putzer and I were looking at school boards, we were we were think we were looking at boards in, in, in terms of the extent to which uh, they are able to reflect the. The public's opinion on things Mm. that uh, you know this is sort of the the democratic ideal, and uh, and that you expect a a measure of popular sovereignty that the people rule, and you assess this by saying to what extent are the decisions that a governing body is making uh, reflective of public opinion, and and in that way, you know some designs of school boards work better than others, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, you know and some of it is counterintuitive. Uh, so in, in, if school board members are appointed, actually, as you'll find in some bigger urban areas, mm-hmm. they actually may be the most
0: responsive boards. And most representative. Uh, they're able to fund their schools. Right. They're keep, able go, to, keep the thing open. Yeah. Right? They're <laughs> able to do what they need to do. And, right. you know, and... What about the, um, the, the, the fact that these school boards are all very local? I mean, so does it matter that if you are uh, part of a school board, that you are likely to, to run into people at the grocery store and have to you know, explain why you did something. Sure. We, people
1: know who's on their school board. Mm-hmm. It's, it's their friends and neighbors. Mm-hmm. They see them. Mm-hmm. They
0: tell them what they think. And
1: uh, so it is, not, uh, it is not difficult for them to know uh, what it is that people want. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do get a lot of feedback. Uh, and, and so and and that's an important point because it's not just who is at a school board meeting which is going to tend to be the most
0: activist people well I do think that you know when you listen to 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 Robert that that um, there's something really laudable about all this mm-hmm. because these people are you know they're they're this is in addition to family and work responsibilities yeah. right and and it's it's often kind of pretty thankless it's you know we've all been in these board settings and these meetings and you know they're folding chairs and it's crappy coffee and it's not yeah, always and it's, a pleasant experience and these meetings, right? can take a long time right right yeah. right mm-hmm. and and so you know and and except for the you know biggest uh school districts they're not getting paid yeah so i mean i really do think that you know um there is something that just you know we ought to be um, acknowledging this probably more than we do, yeah, I mean the trade off is is this it is this
1: this notion of local control of uh, is is very important in American political mm-hmm. tradition right and it goes back a long way it goes a long way yeah. and it's uh, so it 's highly valued mm-hmm. so you know when you 're looking as he is very locally and very it, it, it does it, it is there, there is democratic deliberation, and
0: that 's to be applauded. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think that's a good uh, note to end on. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, maybe more of a uh, dot, dot, dot than a period, but that's all right. Um, um, I guess I want to uh, thank uh, Rob Ason and uh, Jenna Spinelli, as always. Um, we don't I'm, always thank Janice. Yeah, we should, because um, really, <laughs> without her, we're hopeless. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I'm uh, Chris Beam. I'm Michael Berkman. Thanks for listening.